themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. the views from the clutch i go by the name of smart alex i'm here with my brother from another c grant what's good and we are back episode i don't know what of views from the clutch this is word <laughs> covid messed up the scheduling on the episodes b we'll be all right we'll figure that out later mm. as always we'd like to take a moment to say thank you to all our subscribers and listeners if you would at any time like to reach us you can do so by leaving us a message on any of the podcast platforms where we are hosted, you can reach out to us directly by using viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram and Facebook. So good. We're a little rusty, dog. Uh, we're rusty. The NBA is about to be real rusty, man. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Coming, they're coming back. They're still not coming back for a whole other month, though. But the f- but the fact that we're even at that threshold with all that is going on. Um, before we get into the heavy basketball talk, to all of you guys who have missed us and haven't heard from us in a while, we apologize. But, you know, personal issues and the nature of what we're going through as society kind of take precedence over what's going on. But we are indeed, at the core, basketballers for life. So the NBA has announced that they will be returning. Go ahead, C. Grant. When, when are they coming back? July... If I'm not mistaken, it's July like 30, July 31st, I think they said. Mm. I think something like that. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is it the 20th or the 30th? Either way you slice it, man. It's, NBA's going to be back at the end of July, and it's going to be held in, um, in Disney, in Orlando. Um, so, I mean, that's a good thing, and they're going to have so many different so many different things going on, like I said there. And I think they're still working out certain things because they announced that they had this 22-team uh, concept mm-hmm. where if you were like four or five games within making a playoff spot, there's a reason why you were invited. That's mm-hmm. the reason why the West has more teams than the East. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if that is how beneficial that's going to be. You know, um, I'm trying to look online real quick. Yeah, July 31st, it says at Walt Disney's World, uh, wide, the Wide World of Sports Complex. Um, so, I don't, did they say, oh, it's going to be eight games to follow the regular season. Okay. And a possible uh, playing tournament for the eighth seed and the playoffs. I mean, yeah, for the eighth seed. So, that could be, that could be dope for the teams that's on that bubble. You know what I mean? Because, like, every game counts for them. I mean, every game counts really for everybody because there's going to be so much rust on certain players. And I wonder if there's going to be certain players that are looking at it like, yo, this don't, this don't make no sense. You know, I don't want to be – I don't really want to give my all for, like, eight games. Because if you're the – you know, let's say, for instance, you're Portland, right? Dame Lillard mm-hmm. automatically – he already came out and said he wasn't going to play – uh, if if the games didn't mean nothing, now they mean something. But it's still kind of like, what's that going to do? You know, what, what's that really going to do? Because they've already been so depleted for eight games. He might be looking at it like, you know, what I'm saying, I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be a challenge because they say it's like what six game, six teams fighting for the eighth seed or something like that. Something crazy. It's almost like every team in the West, mm-hmm. basically. Which is there's which, nine teams invited from the East and thirteen that were invited from the West, which means that there are eight on each side, one left over for the East. It means the race for the ninth seed was pretty much, or the AC was pretty much a foregone conclusion with only really one team within what the, the NBA considers legitimate striking range. Whereas in the West, 
you had five, five teams that are all within contention of that eighth seed. So they all had to get invited. And then they yeah, had some crazy. Only Minnesota and Golden State didn't get invited. They, they, had, you, they had some crazy caveats that they had to put in place in regards to how everything plays out. Like, for instance, something about if the eighth seed has less wins than the ninth, then they go into some sort of. It, there's more to it than just the fact that these guys are getting back on the basketball court. There's quite a few elements to what they are going to be going through. This is unprecedented that I definitely want to make sure we touch base on within, you know, our usual time frame. Um, one of them mm-hmm. being the fact that, um, and we've been doing a lot of offline discussion between you and myself as we've been kind of tracking this, but, you know, that whole entire environment is something that's pretty much never been done before. This is basketball in a bubble. So, yeah. um, this is almost no- like, like, like basketball camp. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like rec league ball. You know what I'm saying? It's like open gym runs because they're not going to have the even fans. More, this, is even, this is even more exclusive than open gym run. This is my man got the keys to the PBA gym, and we can only use it from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Sundays. So, you know, it's a really exclusive, limited gathering situation. Um, the Players Association... Um, has been working out, trying to figure out who exactly is going to be involved or allowed to attend because they have been trying to incorporate the ability of allowing families to be, you Mm -hmm. know, a part of this process. Because, again, we're still dealing with the pandemic and the idea of keeping the limited amount of people you're in contact with pretty much consistent is one of the only proven safety nets that a lot of people have had over this quarantine period, you know. I myself, you know, I've limited my interaction to the outside world to, you know, as much of a minimum Mm -hmm. as possible. So imagine what some of these players have been dealing with. So then now you say, okay, well, we're going to sequester you and put you in a whole new bubble away from the people that you've been clamped up with for the past 90 days or whatever the case may be. That's a lot. That's a lot. this, This season has an asterisk on it. But you know what? So what? If no one else dies... If no one else gets sick, if no one else is able to succumb to, to, to what this pandemic has done to us, then, then the NBA will, you know, they will come out as a standard bearer. We have other sports leagues that are basically, they don't even have these type of precautions being put in place. Italy has essentially said, everybody go out and play soccer. Starting June, Series A is going to be back up. As we know, soccer is a major outdoor sport. How do you regulate that kind of traffic? The NBA has said no. What we're not going to do is what y'all doing. We're going to take yeah. these players, we're going to sequester them, we're going to isolate them, and we're basically going to give you the NBA in, in the most protective environment that we could come up with. I'm just glad that these guys won't be out there in, you know, spaceman suits. Yo, yeah, it's going to be, cra- it's going to be crazy because the more I thought about it, I said to myself, I said, okay, they're going to, they're going to have these guys in an isolated area, right? Mm-hmm. But that they're going to have their families around, stuff like that, or hopefully. They're going to have a, a, limited, limited, amount, a limited amount number of people, of people as but, far as I, – I can't even remember what it was, but I believe that there was a given total count. And Kyrie Irving, who is a member of the Players' Union Board, he proposed, well, he says, well, when teams start getting eliminated – do we lose that space? Or are we allowed to replace it with others? So, for instance, let's say mm. in the East, in the East, now the pool has been reduced to the final eight teams. Well, we'd allot it for the amount of space to allow that number of people divided by nine teams. So now that ninth team is now vacated the space. We have these spots open. Can we bring more people in? They've also alluded to, I don't know if you have the information up on your screen. I don't have it. But I do know that they was mentioning that they will be doing some sort of like round-the-clock testing. So players will be getting tested for the coronavirus as, as often and as rapidly as they possibly can. They, they have a whole bunch of other monitoring methods that they're going to be using to just, again, try to limit the possibility of infection. And if there's anybody on-site and infected, remove them and properly quarantine them so that the games can continue to be played without the possibility of an entire team being infected. I have concerns because, again, all of these players have been away from the game. They've been away from that environment for a long time, doing who knows what with who knows who, or some have been, you know, staying safe and keeping a protocol. Now Mm -hmm. you have to bring all these guys into a mass site. 
And if just one of them is infected and nobody knows, yeah. then we have a reboot of everything that we've been trying to avoid. So this is, this is, like I said, this is unforeseen territory with unforeseen circumstances that the NBA is trying to do the best that they can to play it safe from both sides. And I commend them for the ambition because a part of me was willing to concede the season. I don't know if you had gotten to that point, but a part of me was willing to say, you know, for the sake of global safety, you know, yeah, no, about I, basketball. I honestly thought, I honestly felt that I think if the season wasn't so far along, I think they would have. Like, if they would have been in, like, game... If we were like, before the All-Star break, it was a wrap. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. All-Star break. So, so if, we were, if, if we had less than 50 games completed, yeah. it was a wrap. I think, but like, you're talking about teams, I think 50 would have been the cutoff. Like, if we had, I, if we played 50, I think they would have said, all right, no, nah, we're good. Because I think, what is it? They, they had teams... Most teams had... I think the most teams... Most games... I can't get my words together. The most the games seven. left a team had remaining was underneath 20. For like almost yeah. every team when the league had started a stoppage. I don't think there was anybody mm-hmm. that far behind that median. So no. when you got people talking about, you know, essentially a month worth of a season left to complete, NBA, they, they, they kind of, you know, they had that wiggle room to play with. And everybody, oh, this is going to be an asterisk season. Oh, it definitely is. But yeah, it's still it going to be a title. But again, it is. Like, I'll take an asterisk season. I mean, because the strike, they've had strike short in seasons before. You know what I mean? Can, now, you, can you right now, if I said name the Duncan season, you would know because you're a Knicks fan. Yeah. But how many other people out there, when they're counting his five rings, are really thinking about, oh, well, but no, that, and that occurred at a play stop. And, that, and that's my point. Now, granted, social media and the power of the internet was not as prevalent. It wasn't nowhere near as prevalent as it is today. But still, it still counts as a championship. You won a championship. Like it's not like you're gonna get a specialized award that don't count as a championship. You're not getting a participation trophy. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you're, you're getting the Larry O'Brien trophy. Exactly. They're gonna roll out the Bill Russell. Yeah, and they're MVP still gonna have an MVP of the regular season. They're gonna have an MVP of the finals. So, but I think this. Remember how we t- we had talked about in previous episodes? Our fans could go back and check. But we had talked about how there was talks about some of the owners wanting the NBA season to start pretty much um, like around Christmas time anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because they felt like those first couple of months of college football and NFL, the ratings weren't, they didn't start, they didn't start seeing a spike in ratings until Christmas time, which most people, a lot of people I know, and a lot of times we talk, we always felt like Christmas is like, okay, this is season. The season finally started. Like we, you know, we get a good idea of where teams are going to be, but people tune in. And now with this NBA season having to go through, finish the season out, that means next season starts in December. Because I'm reading from ESPN, there's tentative start date for the NBA 2021 season would be December 1st. With no mention of games or less games being played. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing. They didn't say how many games seasons would be because then that's going to be a way if they could play this out. If this the projection, if they were to play next season, means that the I think, I think it triples the amount of back-to-backs, and it quadruples the amount of times that teams will play four games in five nights. That's the load. That's the toll. But of let's think of it like this: What happens if they look at it and said, "Okay, the, us having the season run into the summertime is great. We like that. The ratings are through the roof." <laughs> Let's keep this 2021 season. Let's see how it plays out. And then that, do you kick off every season like that? Or because this, they're, they're putting a stranglehold on the offseason once this NBA Finals is over. Basically, the Finals is over like um, and a month and, and a I, half later. Yeah, in a month yeah, and a half later. The Finals later, will start. be concluded by October. And yeah. in a month and a half later, you will be expected to be back in training camp ready to go for another season. A season that's going to be for a lot of veterans, something that they never prepared for. Exactly. You, I mean, listen, I love to play basketball. I'm, I'm advanced in age now, about to be 42. I don't know how much basketball in a week my body can handle. And as these players continue to accumulate mileage, your recovery time gets longer and longer. Yeah. So you're looking at teams who essentially there is a huge price to pay for what is going to happen with this abbreviated finale to the NBA season. So you go on a deep run. Let's say you're the Milwaukee Bucks. You go on a deep run. You're Mm -hmm. expected to go on a deep run. You're the best record in the league. 
You're expected to march all the way to the NBA Finals. You get all the way to the NBA Finals. You lose. And that's not to say that I wish them to lose the NBA Finals. I'm just saying you can take any name team, Houston, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever team that makes your imagination grow as I'm dictating this, put that in your brain, people. You see that team drag themselves all the way to Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Maximum season limit. End of October, we're on the verge of Halloween, and these guys get to go home. These guys are going to get to go home, and, exte- and instead of being able to go home and recuperate for essentially close to 90 days, if not more, they're going to get a third of that. Not even because the, I'm looking at Because October into November, November into December, December, yeah. you're going to be expected to report probably the first week. Well, no, because according to this, according to ESPN, the 2021 training camp will start November 10th, and then the season will actually start December 1st. So if you're if you're fi- if you're in a team in the finals, let's say it's the Clippers versus the Bucks, whatever team it is, you got less than thirty days to start the following season. Not to mention you have to draft, you have to incorporate rookies, you have to. Yeah. This this again, like we said, we're in unprecedented territory, and all of the things that we've come to take for granted as just being the way that they were. I mean, come on, like you just alluded to. Fans of the of the NBA have always kind of taken this little cooling period to finally truly buy into okay the season is is now officially my focus as a sports fan. Mm-hmm. You know preseason games people don't watch them. That's why they 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 have they have these preseason games all over the world. Yeah, that's pretty much what has become of the NBA. They know that staffing these games and keeping them in home arenas is not financially prudent. So what's the best thing to do? You take the show on the road. So they take the NBA preseason games on the road, like we alluded to and saw in the last dance. The Chicago Bulls used to spend their off-seasons in Europe. Yeah. We used to spend their off-seasons in Europe playing in in pro tournaments against those teams, top teams. That's the game of those countries over their life. And to them, it's an exhibition. It's preseason. Absolutely. Now, obviously, when you have a savage competitor like Michael Jordan, he's not going to lose and so on and so forth. But this is 2021 NBA players that we're talking about. That level of dedication and investment is just not going to be there. I just think that, um, again, the NBA is doing a lot. And I've always said that the NBA seems to always be at the forefront of the activity that are innovative for sports leagues. Um, Mm -hmm. They've also announced that they will not be testing for any type of recreational drugs when they return. Oh, yeah. So all the weed heads get busy. So the NBA is there's give and take. Mm-hmm. So if you're cheering for a team that you know got a bunch of potheads, but they're still in competition for the playoffs or, or, or the trophy, then you know this might be the season where everything's easy for them. You know, jobless, hit this blunt. <laughs> yeah, we lost by eight last game. We're gonna smoke this. Go out tomorrow and smoke them. You know, hey, this might be your season to go out and validate the the the, the use of THC as something that allows players to recuperate because those are some of the many facets that have been brought into into the space of marijuana medicine and marijuana use amongst pro athletes. Um, there's other issues to tackle in regards to, to, to this return to basketball that we're looking at. I had one on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it, so I'm going to allow you to go ahead and continue to um, just keep bringing up discussion points about what we're going to be looking at. Yeah, because I think what, what the real thing was uh, with the fact that the NBA... I mean, NBA, they're also, let's, let's talk about not just the COVID issue, but everything that's going on with the, with the racial tension that's going on in, in, in society right now. A lot of players are looking at it like, yo, I don't know if I want to focus on the NBA right now. I want to take care of everything that's going on with my community. Who? 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 You, you heard any players that, that have come out on this stance? I'm not saying that it's not realistic. Because I definitely think it's admirable if there are players who are, you know, trying to be socially active. I can't speak because, again, I haven't really been active in social media since everything has happened. I just kind of like... Well, no, no, but I'm, what I'm saying is here. people look... You're looking at it from the standpoint of the, the standpoint of, okay, we got COVID going on. We got racism going on. Cats are looking like, okay, maybe the NBA is to come back, but they're probably also thinking at what... And what to what degree 
Because if I'm going to put my life on the line for two months, Ooh. I can focus I on building my community back up in that two-month span instead of going to play basketball and risk getting sick or get my family sick. You know, you never know. You just never know. I mean, I can't play. I can't say what people will do or won't do. Uh, and, and they might look at it like, listen, getting back on the basketball court will get the, the country back to refocus on, you know, other things besides sometimes the stress of real life. You know, there's also, I, I recall the point. Um, I wanted to bring to light the notable absence that will take place during this whole entire restart of the NBA season or continuation. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, they are, what were they? The, the, they're currently like the eighth seed or mm-hmm, seventh mm-hmm. seed. Kevin Durant has gone on record saying my season's over. So we will not be seeing Kevin Durant return. Yeah. Kyrie Irving has confirmed the same. And the NBA did Golden State a favor. Yeah. And didn't I invite Golden State there so that we could see Klay Thompson absolutely smoke people knowing he's not going to the playoffs because Klay Thompson would have done it. Yeah, no, no. It, I, believe, it, 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 I believe in my heart that he and he and um, and Steph together oh, they in that environment. They would have went crazy. They would have they tried, they they tried to go 8-0. Oh. It's eight games, yeah. you're going to try to go 8-0. And, oh. and shoot every team off the floor. Yeah. Because that's the kind of pride that those two have. Yep. So I'm not saying that they're the greatest. I'm not giving them any, like, oh, the world should be afraid. I just know, as a fan, as a, as a person who's watched them and seen the way their motors tick, if you would put them in this setting with what they're coming back from, yeah. it would have been trouble. Yeah, it would have been interesting. It would have been trouble. I wonder what, and this is one thing, right? Because you have eight teams not make it to the, um, pretty much eight. So you got eight teams that didn't make it, right? This mm-hmm. this season now becomes extended, right? Off season, off season. Yeah, I mean that's what I meant. I'm sorry. The off season now becomes really super extended, you know. But the the, the trick bag part of this is you got guys that are now uh, this season's over, so their free agency kind of starts. If you if you're on a non playoff team, you kind of like to head into the figuring out, hey, well, I might because some dudes, let me say this, some dudes are going to come back ultra of. prepared and ultra ready, and some dudes are going to fall off. Complete map. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have we're going to have a Sean Kemp yeah. of, this, of this return, and he might be on a playoff team because it's just that difficult for the human body to just snap back. We don't. We don't. And if there are players out there who have truly, you know, let themselves go. Word. There's no way to hide it. No, heck there's no, no way to hide it. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are going to be, I'm going to be tuned in to see because the Pelicans are still involved. So yeah. I'm curious to see how John Morant well, and um, Zion, Zion. Yeah. And, and, and those guys who were competing for or on the verge of, you know, being, you know, trophy getters, like rookie of the year, most approved player, six man of the year. There's a lot of guys who, you know, this reboot could could do wonders for that stretch run for them. Not in necessarily the sense of getting in the award, but just being in that spotlight. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of money can be made and lost in this in this environment that we're about to see, and, and it's going to be curious because, like you said, some of these players have a super duper advantage knowing that their season is over. Yeah, they can really wanna... start to speak with organizations, not speak with, but they can really start to gauge. And plan, and by the time that window occurs, where transactions are going to be permitted to happen, because remember, technically, if we're following transactions in the NBA, you can't really conduct any real NBA NBA business after the All Star break. You can't make trades. Mm-hmm. You can only call up and, and bring players down. Yes. So this is just this is just an open window for teams to say, "Hey, we want this guy. We we don't want this guy, or we can get rid of this guy." And this, that, and the third. And these players are going to have to really be proactive because remember they've been taking a loss mm-hmm. because their checks started to get you know a little dwindled as the um the COVID procedures broke into place and stoppages so there were some players who you know they were affected monetarily all of them were technically mm-hmm. you had a paycheck still left because some players 
set up their payroll so that some of them were already paid for the season, some weren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Point is, there's a lot of that type of business going on, and that might be reasoning enough for some players to switch teams. Like, you know what? I don't like the way they handle this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this guy, he's been telling me for 90 days under COVID that, you know, I need to come see his see his way of life in this city. I might just go ahead and have to do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's so much under the table stuff because you got eight teams that now have going to be off for like nine months. And, and it's not like these eight teams that are going to be off are, are like San Antonio. Were they invited? No, no, no San Antonio. Let me tell you this. All right. The only let me tell you, let me list the eight teams that are, were not invited. I'll do the I'll do the West first because yeah, because I don't inspire conversation. Yeah, yeah. The West, the two team, two teams from the West that were not invited were Minnesota, Minnesota and Golden State. That's it. Okay, so, so you got so let's cross Phoenix. Uh, so let's cross their let's cross their issues off right now since we have the opportunity. We're only twenty five minutes and we can cover these teams. So with Minnesota, you were looking at them not having an opportunity to really see how D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns match. Yes. That window is lost. Yes. You you lose an eighteen game window where you get to see whether or not your franchise player and your newly acquired franchise point guard are truly a dynamic duo. So you're losing that opportunity. But what you gain is the opportunity to, to look around and see what type of spare part players you can start to incorporate into what you're essentially trying to build for the future for that franchise. Mm-hmm. Golden State. We already know what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, what, we, one thing we, before we, we go to Golden State. Also with Minnesota is now you get these guys, if you can talk to the players and get them to work together in the offseason so they can start building up some chemistry before – you actually get into your training camp because, like I said, now you're nine months off. You know, you hope that they can start. To- oh, if you're Minnesota, if you're Minnesota, you fly those guys in. As soon as the ball goes up in the air, I think you import the players and you, or whatever you can, you get them, you, you definitely get them together and you, you, you know, like you said, you, you start to work on hashtag chemistry because mm-hmm. just got too much any time advantage off. that they would have, right? Any advantage that they have would be that opportunity to make sure that they're, you know, almost symbiotic. Because when you're talking about a big man, point guard, dynamic duo in the NBA, when was the last time that was really part of a, a dominant winning way? Mm-mm. Point guard, big man, dominant. You got Magic and Kareem. You got, and I'm talking about in the modern era. You got Magic and Kareem. You got what, Malone and Stockton. Mm-hmm. You got, uh, you can't really give a pair to somebody like Hakeem. Hakeem played mm-hmm. with, I don't want to call them spare parts because God bless his soul. Kenny Smith is from New York, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to disrespect the GOAT with the twisted jump shot, but I will say that, you know, he didn't have a dynamic, big, small duo. Mm-hmm. He just kind of like, he no, just kind of like dragged Shaq, 12 people with him. Shaq and Kobe, but Kobe wasn't a point guard. Yeah. And we're not going to omit Shaq and Penny. Yeah. So... Those type of teams where that that's your forefront dominance. Obviously, you could go lower tier, you know, Reggie Miller, Rick Smiths, but they weren't a dynamic duo. They were just both really good at their positions and played on the same team. But their success wasn't interdependent like the other guys that I'm trying to yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. What's going on with 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 Cat and with D'Angelo Russell? They're going to need to have that because they both do a lot of the same things well, and then Cat brings that ability to play inside that that makes them special. Because you can run a pick and pop, big small with Cat yeah. and D'Angelo Russell. You're talking about a six five. What is D'Angelo six five six six? Yeah. And you know, you know that Carl Anthony Towns, even though his form looks crazy, his release is quick. Basically. So they have an opportunity, like you said, to become special. With Golden State, we already know what that is. That is just secretly the Legion of Doom laying in wait. Mm-hmm. They are going to detonate come Christmas or whenever this new season starts. And people better watch out because they might try to go on one of those 21-0 roadkill runs that, that teams go on that you don't recover from as far as gaps as between who's the top in the conference and who's the bottom. Golden State is going to be loaded in, in ways that – Yo, I just want to see if they're going to have some – I just want to see if they're going to have some open run internet highlights. You know what I'm saying? With Steph and Clay just go to the open run just to get some work in. If ever there was Jesus. a time for – if, if ever there was a time for there to be another version of Uncle Drew, Stephen Clay, mm. I don't know what you would call them, but you put those guys in costumes 
and send them out to any available open gym? You talking about commercial, commercial, commercial. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it can't happen because, you know, their their sneaker affiliations are, are kind of you Too know, different, quirky. Yeah. Steph is is an Under Armour brand, mm-hmm. and um, Clay, he be signing with Ferrari companies from China to make his shoes, mm-hmm. which I hope he's going to rethink because I believe he was endorsing Anta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Anta was his primary shoe spokesperson, and I don't know if you know about this trend, but shoe brands suffer when their athletes suffer major injuries, which is why, you know, Adidas took a mm-hmm. hit a few years back when Rose. things happened with Derrick okay. Rose. So, um, you know, uh, and, but it wasn't just Derrick Rose because I think Iman Shumpert yeah. was like a month and a half later and he was wearing Adidas. Yep. So it, it was just like, oh man, all these guys wearing Adidas and they tearing their ACLs. Like that's a very specific shark in the water basketball injury. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tear your ACL or you could pop your Achilles. Those two things, yeah. if you, those are affiliated with your brand as a performance equipment, you're in trouble. Back to the other team. So, like you said, Phoenix, Golden State, we know what I mean. Phoenix, no, Phoenix is in. Phoenix, 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 not Phoenix. Right. Golden State and Minnesota, we know what their it's game plan is going to be. Yeah. Now, let's jump over to the East and talk about those teams. All right. So, now picture. we got six more teams. You got Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, the Knicks, Chicago, and Charlotte. Now, look. All right, let's, let's just also say but, Vince Carter, uh, he because he definitely um, retiring. So, mm-hmm. like I said, great career, uh, Hall of Fame career. Thank you for all the memories. All the memories. Thank you for all Hopefully, the your second career, you'll be just as successful in whatever you decide to do. Yeah, man, you might need to go to that ESPN room and, and help them clean up their commentary. Like, you know, somebody's got to balance out Paul Pierce. I thought McGrady might be able to do it, but apparently Paul Pierce still feels comfortable being as outlandish as he is. Maybe maybe that levity <laughs> you could bring in. Because <laughs> um, Paul Pierce, you my man. Your, your car just came out and my team is dope. Always been a fan of you. You're one of the few Celtics as a Lakers fan that like I could not resist cheering for. So I've always been a fan of that man as a player, but whew, as a sports anchor, he, he scares me. Um, started with Cleveland. So Cleveland's in a situation where they're in an everything-must-go kind of environment. You've got the situation with Kev- Kevin Love's huge contract. You've got Tristan Thompson coming off the books. You've got a coach who tried to quit, and you forced him to remain an employee in John Bayline. You have two mismatched guards who are pretty much clones of each other, except one shoots a better jump shot, being Darius Garland over um, Saxton. What's the other kids? Over Saxton. And... um then I don't know what else you have on your roster. There's Larry Nance. There's those two European kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seti Osman and then Zizek. Mm-hmm. You, you've, got, you've got work to do. You've got Andre so, Drummond, whoop. though. You do well, have no, Andre Drummond. This who... is last year, so I don't know. No, no next year next is last, last year. year. Got you, got you. Then you have also have our man Kevin Porter Jr., uh, I like Kevin Porter Jr. I do like him very much. So they've got a lot of things to figure out. So this extra time, hopefully, will. And then I believe you know their owner was coming back from a major health issue. Dan Gilbert, he he himself was. So that franchise has got a lot lot of things to figure out. So their their off season effectively started the moment that they ratified this agreement. Um, who else was Atlanta? Next? Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young has already been seen um, in the in the rec league. Putting work in, that's never going to stop. He's a, you know he's going he's going to be a gym rat. He's a gym he's a gym rat. You know he's still under twenty five, mm-hmm. so he don't know no better. Yeah, I mean he's twenty one, so he's going to be. Um, I think yeah. I think got to figure out if I'm Atlanta, what I'm trying to do realistically. Well, they've put a lot of pieces in place, so you got your front line pretty much taken care of. Now you need to decide: is there a win now player? that you need to bring into the fold? Mm-hmm. Or is there somebody that you can expect to take a leap? Because you can't really expect much more. Trey Young's leap from, from you know, rookie year to sophomore year has been fantastic. He had a decent rookie year. He was having an amazing sophomore mm-hmm. year, but a lot of the things that he's doing or did as a sophomore, he cannot do for them to have long. Now some of his scoring has to be redistributed. There's no way you can continue to put up those numbers and you have Clint Capello on your front line. You have a healthy John Collins. You have DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. You have Kevin Huerta. You, you've essentially got six of your top eight guys. Mm-hmm. And they're all, and they're probably all under 28 because I think Capello might be one of the oldest. But he's 26, Capello. Exactly. So you've got your core. Now it's a matter of 
who's going to step up into that secondary position so that, and it's likely going to be John Collins the way they feature him, but I'm just a little bit worried about John Collins' game because I still see him as being undersized for the four. Mm -hmm. He's just really bouncy. And I've always said that those bouncy fours, they wind up having short careers the longer they stay close to the basket. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like he's been working on his jump shot. You know, he took a lot more jump shots when he came back from the suspension and so on and so forth. So, if he can develop into some sort of like, you know, symbiotic three, four man that can give you 19, 20 a game, eight or nine rebounds, and then have those versatility stats that like Sean Marion used to give you, then, then maybe you've got your secondary guy. But otherwise, you're going to need one of those other kids you just drafted to step mm -hmm. up. You kind of know what Kevin Porter is going to be. He's going to be a, he's going to be a great, you know what I'm saying, a, a great upper level replacement player anytime you put him on the court. He's six, seven, six, mm -hmm. eight. Can shoot the lights out, can handle, got mild athleticism. You can put him at multiple positions. So you you kind of know where a guy like he's going to be. You kind of know what Cam Reddish can kind of be. You kind of know what DeAndre Hunter's going to be. He was an older rookie. So you know those guys. Which is guys crazy because he's only 22. That's crazy. Who? Uh, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, and he was an older that's rookie. What I'm saying. That's crazy. So, I mean, that's just the nature of what of what the NBA has yeah, become. Of course. So at, at Atlanta, we'll, we'll, we'll say they're, you know, I would say they're five to you know i'd say they're 10 to 20 steps ahead of where cleveland is yeah because then also with with atlanta they're gonna have a high draft pick but then also in about another year or two do they try to make a run for one of these you know upcoming free agents you know what i mean because they have a young a young core and they need like you said a kind of like a or do they do or they do like what brooklyn did where you pacify your crowd who wants to come to games and see winning basketball, which is what the Nets, Nets did. Let's just be honest. That's what the Nets did. That's what they sold everybody on. We've got this coach. He represents the hard work and mentality of Brooklyn. This team is going to grind, and we're going to compete, and you know we're going to brick by brick it. That's what they did. D'Angelo Russell, he has one of the, the, the great redemption seasons you could have. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, so on and so forth. That whole entire cast. And then, boom, nuclear bomb, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they coming to mm -hmm. town. So now we got to get rid of all these guys that we had their two salaries tied up into in six guys. Now we're going to invest it in these two. Atlanta is one of the most highly populated African-American cities in the country. It is a hot spot. Now, are they a basketball town? The answer is clearly mm -hmm. no. They still have issues with getting fans and staying in the seats. And it's always been that way. It's been that way since Dominique Wilkins and probably even going back further, as, as, as long as Atlanta has had a pro basketball team, they've had an issue with consistently keeping basketball fans. Mm -hmm. But with that young, exciting core, do you really make that kind of push where you say, we're going to invest in these guys, build them up, and then hope for free agents that make us have to tear down what we've been building? I don't know if that's the right model for Atlanta because I see the level of talent that they had and I compare it to what Brooklyn had at the same time, and I wouldn't say that one is better than the other, but Atlanta actually handpicked those guys. Mm. Like, D'Angelo Russell kind of fell into the next. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Spencer Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie kind of played into his contract. Uh -huh. Atlanta drafted Trey Young. They drafted Huerta. They drafted DeAndre Hunter. They drafted Reg. Mm -hmm. They traded for They Collins. drafted Collins, yeah, yeah. And they drafted Collins. That's six guys. That you, upper management said, we want those guys here. Mm -hmm. So I think that I would hope that they stay that developmental course. You'd like to see that, you know, to, to be able to see it. Because other franchises, they don't get to do it with that many players at one time. But when they do, they, they, they tend to reap the benefits. Well, that, that's going to be a tricky bag because it's always a hiccup or something. Some guys are going to want more money. Some guys might not necessarily step up in the way they're projected to step up, you know. Some guys may not live up to where they were exactly. I, you're absolutely right. And, and, that, and that falls on primarily Cam Reddish and Hunter because both of them have up and down rookie seasons. So I do think that those two guys, whether they want to admit it or not, they're always going to be pitted against each other, unfortunately. So whichever one of those guys comes out seeming to be the more valuable player is likely going to have the, the value to either get himself traded or to get the other guy traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think their situation, that might be the only real volatility that I see within that. Unless, you know, Kevin Herter steps up and all of a sudden becomes some sort of like one-on-one, can't-stop-me God. 
if he does that, then you can get rid of both of those guys. Yeah. But we won't even go that far. So after Atlanta, what's next? Um, after Atlanta, you got oh, who's this? Wait, give me one second. Damn it. There we go. Oh, um, hold on a second. My screen froze up for. Uh, after no, after Atlanta's Detroit. I wasn't too sure if it was Detroit or the Knicks, but I thought it was Detroit, so I was right. Um, Okay, so Detroit's got uh, they got a heap of problems. They need to take two seasons off. Detroit's got Derrick Rose in the middle of his resurgence, and he's thirty-one or going to be thirty-one. You've got Blake Griffin, who's about to be thirty forty-seven or thirty. Legitimate (laughs) age. Yeah, 31. So Blake Griffin's going to be 31. Derrick Rose is going to be 31. Um, They've gotten themselves free of of Mr. Jackson, which they had Mm -hmm. to. So now Reggie Jackson's no longer there. They got the Christian Wood, who was starting to come on. I think they signed him. Uh, They they flip Andre Drummond for, you know, a six-pack of wings Mm -hmm. and and diet but light. Um, so they'll have cap space. They still do have a coach in Dwayne Casey who's very good for the players. Uh-huh. So I won't take anything away from that. Detroit's got a lot of figuring out to do. I, I can't tell them, oh, burn it down. It's because when I wanted them down. to let Rose when when I wanted them to set Rose free and actually get some value from it, they traded Andre Drummond. So I'm done speculating on what I think Detroit should do. Because if you use logic and any type of sense that, you know, helps me sleep at night, then those moves would have been made already. They haven't made them. So I really don't know what their thinking is or what their model is. Like you said, they may need, they, they may be playing a season while they're figuring it out. Yeah. They might just have a team, a franchise, employees, people getting paid, and they're just visibly tanking while they try and figure out which way they want to go. Because you cannot trade Blake Griffin. Nobody's taking that. If away. anybody takes it, I don't feel bad for them because he still has, he still has two years left. At thirty three million, I think. thirty no thirty, no this is thirty six next season, thirty six point five next season, and in the final season is thirty eight point nine. Jesus. And now, mind you, I'm gonna say this, and I expect you to laugh, even if it's not out loud. I know you'll be laughing. I'm a Blake Griffin fan. I love what he has done with his limitations as he's come to understand them. Okay, I can't fly all over the court anymore. I need a jump shot. You ain't got one. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to make plays so that I can make the players around me better. He's done that. What he hasn't done, in, in, which I expected because of the injuries, is he hasn't improved as a rebounder or a defender at all. No. And now... And but now, fully healthy enough, still would have never happened. Right. So you, you, you're talking about a guy with, and, and the whole thing with, can we just be real? Blake Griffin and LeBron James are the same height. That's crazy. He's not tall. He's not 6'10. He's not 6'10. So he doesn't give you, and he, and he doesn't have elite wingspan. So he does have limitations that his athleticism were masking. Yeah, absolutely. A guy flies all over the place. You think that they can go block any shot. The reality is, is that if you take percentages away from his knees every year, which is what has happened to him, you start to see, hey, he's not really that, you know, his range isn't really all that special. So it's almost like he got all the tools he needed to allow himself to remain a viable NBA player. But he's definitely not the player he once was. And nobody ever mm-hmm. is. But his decline, and, and his decline and his decline in his transition has been, has been traumatic. It's been quiet because it happened in Detroit. So a lot of people haven't really been paying attention to it. And I think that was kind of a good thing for him because if he had wound up going to a place like Oklahoma City, there's no way that, I mean, there's no way. There's, there's no way. We, we know what would happen if a guy like Blake Griffin had gone home. The version that he left, coming back with the version that he is now, uh, yeah, no, bad. That. yeah, yeah. But, but again, see, for players like that that are having these injuries, this, you want to figure out if they're rehabbing properly, 
this time off might help them. I just don't, there's no definitive research that shows that, but again, that this much of a layoff. I mean, for guys to have, you know, a guy like Blake Griffin, Griffin, it's almost like missing like two seasons. You know what I mean? Two, almost three seasons where he, until he plays. Which is helpful to him. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. hopefully I mean, I mean, I mean, I would hope that the moment COVID started, he put his leg in a, in, in, in a cryogenic chamber. Listen. He he should be at you know he should be at that spot that Kobe used to go to where they was spinning his um his blood. Mm. I just you know that trick. That I he just tried? hope I hope Blake Griffin don't come back and Sean Kemp. You know what I'm saying? Just because uh, similar game. Blake I mean, Griffin, Griffin light skinned. Blake Griffin light skinned. And he got <laughs> a really expensive baby mom. He, he gonna stay in shape. <laughs> he don't got no choice. That's he crazy. His his divorce agreement. You ever no. read it? How much he's paying? No. Oh, you, we getting mad at how much he gets paid a year. But if you go and look and see how much he's really getting paid a year based off of his oh, child support. Oh, he's on minimum wage? Um, son. He's getting $7 Don't do hour? it. Don't. You know what? Since we got time, you go ahead and look that up. But give me the next team the so next. That I can start talking about them so that when you find it. Okay, another team. We'll, we'll get to the Knicks later. I'm not going to do the Knicks right now. I want you to go find Blake Griffin's divorce payments oh, or, or alimony. And then you got the bull. You got the out. Bulls. If you're gonna skip, okay, the Bulls. All right, cool. That's your team. The Bulls, yeah, the Bulls. I'll freely and happily talk about. Um, they've been speculating on remodeling their management structure, so I think they definitely need to have that clarified. Um, I'm not a fan of their coach. I don't know if their new management structure will be a fan of their coach. I don't know many people in NBA circles who have ever spoken of him in a way that would lead me to believe that if they are to swap out GM or basketball, because one of them stepped down, right? Gar Paxson mm-hmm. or, or, or John, one of those two stepped down so that they can make room for the restructuring of their, their front office. Um, as far as players go, they've got a bevy of talent. We can't deny that. It's just a matter of that talent has not been maximized or flourished on the court. Obviously, Zach Levine has raised his profile and become, you know, an upper-tier guard in the NBA. But we've, we've seen Laurie Markkinen just kind of, like, level off. And that, that's, a, that's a really, 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 you know, concerning thing to have a seven-foot guy who can play multiple positions, shoot the ball, and, you know, create shots off the dribble. And he just doesn't seem to be able to exhibit that type of skill in Jim Boylan's system. So that's something that they've got to figure out. I don't think you move off marketing. I don't think any of those plays that you have, as far as Chicago is concerned, you should be looking to move off of. But I definitely think they need to start thinking in the direction of what is going to be our identity and who are we going to have driving that identity for the next five, six, seven years. Because Zach Levine is only a year or two away from entering his prime. So if you're not ready, then you might have to move him just so that you can. Wait, wait. Blake Griffin pays $258,000 a month? Ooh. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Lord <See>? of mercy. <laughs> Ross. I told you. I told well, that you. That sounds when you saw crazy. <laughs> I, knew, I knew when you found that number, no matter what I was talking about, you was just going to immediately, like, you, you can't read that and not say it out loud. Two hundred and yo, I know you got two kids. Grant, but... Let's put it in perspective. Let's put yo, it in perspective. He had the young kids. How much? Though. How much does the? How much does the president make a year? Like four hundred. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> the presidential salary is a quarter mil. Oh, I thought it was like four hundred, but still. I mean, maybe it even maybe it doesn't up, matter. I mean, doesn't matter. That man is paying three over three million dollars a year. Oh yeah, he definitely got and that's, it. And that's and and that's and and mind you that you now remember he's getting thirty seven, thirty eight million. No, 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 no. Now, we know. Taxes, oof. Right, you're you're getting thirteen, fifteen. Mm. And now now one fourth of that is flat out gone to child support. Now again, I I don't have anything against anybody involved in that situation. I want everybody to be able to flourish, but that just kind of like starts to give you an understanding of. Yeah, man, Blake Griffin making all this money. Mm, yeah, yeah, and the young <laughs> kids too. So he got like a, I think I think the, the article I read said the oldest was five. So that means he gonna be paying that. Ooh, he, 
Blake, we're gonna see Blake Griffin in his 50s playing. He's gonna be like Vince. He's gonna be like Vince trying to keep that check coming, man. The only reason why he'll be playing yep. will be for child support. Oh my god, that's too wow. Yo, that's oof. Now you start to look at him and feel different, Yo. right? Like, damn, bro. Get well soon, Blake. Mm. <laughs> Wait, now they saying. Wait, now I'm looking at another article. See, I don't know. That's the TMZ's reporting that he only paying thirty two thousand dollars a month. He's not paying the two hundred. I mean, there was a... don't even matter. Okay, either way, whether it's thirty two grand a month or. Two hundred and fifty-eight thousand. First of all, two hundred fifty-eight thousand sound way crazier than thirty-two thousand, but they both still crazy numbers. You know what I'm saying? And thirty-two grand, thirty-two grand a month is still a crazy number. There are some people on two-way contracts that may not make thirty-two grand a month. So anyway, now that we've uh, briefly spoken on, I don't even know what team it was that you made oh, me segue Chicago. from. Um, Chicago. So yeah, Chicago's in a figure it out element. They really have to like figure out their structure and decide what they're going to do moving forward. And hopefully they'll be able to do that with this 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 separation from the game that they have being able to physically play games. Um, let's take it to the hometown because we're in that stretch run and I know that they're going to dominate the rest of this time frame. That team at one, you know, at Madison Square Garden. What, what, what should we be doing, bro? Knicks got a lot of problems. They got a- Don't they have like 1,100 players coming off the books because of all those one-year power forward deals? Mm, yeah, they got... Well, wait, wait, wait. They got rid of a couple. So Morris is Morris gone. Morris is gone. So that's not a one-year deal they have to worry yeah. about. Portis will probably not be coming yeah. back. Um, so you got Taj Gibson coming off the books. You got... Um, obviously, obviously, Mo Harkless is going to come off the books. Uh, we got Reggie Book that's gonna come off the books, I think. Uh well, I have to double check his deal. I think he signed one of them weird deals. It was like, yeah, his deal got his deal got reworked twice. Yeah, so um, we have to see. Because got a yeah, same thing with Alfred, Alfred Payton. I have to see what his deal looks like. Wayne Ellington, you know. Uh, but again, the Knicks will have a high draft pick. The draft, the Knicks' needs would be um, everything. Yeah, yeah, you know how that go. Best player available, like honestly, and I'm not just saying that because I'm not a fan of a lot of their players. Because you know there's players on their team that I like. Like I like Dennis Smith Jr. I don't no, like he the, don't fit you for know, the Knicks. I don't like the version of him that showed up in his second season, looking like you know he might have been drinking beer, low key. Because I don't know what it is about him, but it's like he like he got a little Teletubby out of nowhere. Like I'm, I, I I I can't put I can't put my finger on it. Like I, what, what do you want to call those? Like New York pounds or something like that? But like he just. <laughs> No, because you know they say when under under high stress situations, some there's certain cities where like mm-hmm. you know the average health of a human being is different. New York does that to you. Some mm-hmm. people it drains them and makes them skinny. Other people the stress makes them eat and they become portly. Some people get driven to drink. There's a lot of different things that come with the pressures of being in in, in New York mm-hmm. City. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. I never try to sit up there like a lot of times. Like when I talk about players in the New York market. Half of my thoughts aren't even really about their talent. Mm-hmm. It's about their ability to handle actually just being in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what comes with it. It's different because this is a New York fan. Yo, son, you that dude from the Knicks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word, man. My daughter loves you, yo. But, son, that behind the back move you got, that's wild trash, yo. You need to stop doing that, bro. Every time you do that, you get ripped. You get paid like twenty eight million, bro. For twenty eight million, I think you should have a better left hand. No, 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 funny, no funny. You my dude, you my guy. Good luck though. <laughs> That's a New York fan for you. Yeah. Every <laughs> interaction, everywhere you bless you. you, everywhere you go. Or not, a New York fan would probably say, "Yo, you only average if you're going to your and left. That's the nice- you only average. You shoot twenty one percent for going to your right. And you that's the 40. nice. And that's the nice mm-hmm. New York. Yeah, yeah. There's the impolite, the disrespectful, mm-hmm. the rude, the yeah, I don't, I don't care I'm not you doing nothing girl, for you. I'm still going to tell you you suck. Yeah. They, all that is there. Yeah. And there are just some players who are not mentally equipped or just simply don't have that fortitude to have to deal with that constantly. But I'll be shocked if you know what any I'm saying? of these players, and I'm speaking as Knicks, any of these players are still in New York working out. 
Like, oh yeah, even 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 Kevin Durant went to L.A. You know, Kevin Durant's in L.A. right now. Yeah, right? I, I definitely didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense if your crib's out there, you work out out there. Um, but like sticking with the Knicks, I mean, because I saw a video recently of Julius Randle working out. You know, and I'm like, well, dude, you got another six months almost um, of to work out. So your game better get even better. Um, but you need to figure out from the Knicks standpoint of what they're going to do. Julius Randle, Julius Randle, I need you to have a right-hand floater. I need you to have finishing moves with your right hand. And I need you to stop dribbling and turning over your right shoulder and trying to shoot a left-handed fadeaway jump shot. My grandma could block that, bro. Well, not even that. Julius Randle, I need you to start getting the ball in positions where one, two dribbles at most you can score. I don't need you trying to bring the no. ball up slow up the court when the, when the team okay, is yeah. running, trying to push the fast Coast break, and you trying to take it off the backboard, but you're walking it up when everybody else is trying to run and get an outlet. Two, I also that, don't I need you at the top of the key trying to cross a dude over. You, what's your off-season checklist for Julius Randle again? Yo, work on getting in positions to score. The easy positions. He needs... He realistically, as the Knicks, one of the Knicks faces, he needs to get 20 points a game consistently. Not 0.8, not 18.8. No, I need you to get 22.4 at least. And that's going to happen when you are stopped taking ill-advised shots from the top of the key or ill-advised dribble and you jump in the air trying to pass the ball. It's not. And, and you have to push, push the pace. But the can Knicks we, can, have can to he get, just get his Pelicans playbook back, man? Yes, and not just, just that, his but, Pelicans playbook. but not even that. We got to the Knicks have to, and this is why the, drafting a point guard is key for the Knicks. You have to get a player that can put him in position to do so because Julius Randle looks at, oh, who's the point guard? Oh, Peyton, he's, he's hurt. Dennis Smith Jr. don't know what he's doing out there. Um, they got Alonzo Trail, who's a two guard, but they, they don't Frankie. know what to. I Frank, can... I don't trust him. Um, Neil Aquina, you know. Um, so he looks at it like, now nah, I'm good. I don't got nobody to pass the ball to. So Because if you saw him play, a lot of times he'll grab the ball off the rebound and the point guard will be waiting right there. And he'd look, ah, look him off. Yeah, he'd look, look him, him off. off. And he tried to tell him to run the wing. Now, nah, see, another thing, too, the Knicks have to get players that can consistently knock down shots. Like, they got a lot of the same type players that don't really have Okay, he's definitively this. He's definitively that. Well, Wayne Ellington is a shooter. Yeah, but again, Wayne Ellington in his 10th year going into his 11th year, he's not going to be the scoring threat that he was maybe if he was, you know, a higher caliber player. I don't know, man. I just just feel like we're we're sitting on something that we always wind up dealing with as fans of New York teams. Yo, man, he was trash when he was here. Now he played for XYZ team, and he's on fire. That's going to happen to Kevin Knox. It's going to happen to Frank. Mm. And, and, and then we're going to left to be said, dang, man, why we let them go? Why is it when we get players, it's in, it's in the worst parts of their career. We didn't get Penny Hardaway. We got half a cent. No, nah, we, got, we, got, we, got, we got Anthony. We didn't, get, we didn't get T-Mac. We got, what's that? Tracy. We got, yeah, we got Tracy. No, you didn't get Tracy. You got, what's that, McGrady? We got Stephen Francis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got his full government. You know what I'm saying? Yo, remember when, when we pulled the Orlando Blackman in? Like he was going to do something? Oh, Lord. Son. The Knicks have, yo, the Knicks have done quite a few of those. And sometimes... I think like it's almost like it's the signing is happening for the entertainment factor, not for the basketball. Yo, that's right. Like, like, how can we make sure we don't wind up on the back page of the sports? All right, let's sign Steve Francis. Uh, uh, uh. Call a press conference. Or call a press conference. Now, I think what today, and that's the thing, you have to now in these off season, you gotta get to the Knicks. Like I said, they have front office issues. You have player personnel issues. Um, you actually have to draft well, but forget the draft because the draft's not until like October. So you got another like four months before the draft. 
these players on the Knicks that ain't going nowhere need to cons- become consistent and figure out what their what their role is going to be. I mean, you got you have promising pieces. You just have to figure out what you're going to do with them. Mitchell Robinson is a keeper. You know, um, maybe if any team wants him, maybe you try to bump off Julius Randle if you can get something. Why is Mitchell Robinson a keeper? Because he's seven feet tall and he can block shots, and he and he can play. He could get the alley oops, and he could uh, rebound. Oh, so he's a rim runner in an era of pace and space. That's what you're but saying. he's a, but he's a young he's a young rim runner. You have you have some value for him. Yeah, I mean, I, so I so think... he can become he can become he can become a better defensive version of Clint Capella. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So in order for Clint Capella to look good. What type of player does he need? He needs a Harden. He needs a, he needs a Harden. Yeah. Somebody who's going to make those make those pocket passes and be able to a Harden or a CP three. Those level of 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 great passes. And look who you just named. You just named arguably two of the top five passes in the league right now. And the Knicks need to get somebody like that in order for Mitchell Robinson to max out his value. Yeah, that's tough, man. Listen, listen, it's the Knicks. When is it ever easy? I don't think it's just because it's the Knicks. I just think. They got a guy who he may be a great player, but I don't think I don't think the Knicks can function with him as the as the fulcrum of their defense based off of what they need as a totality as a team. So do I think do I think he's a keeper? No. Do I think he's an asset? Absolutely. He's somebody right. that's, who you yeah, can, that's two different things. I, I definitely think he's somebody you can leverage into upgrading. Because you can get some team to maybe, I don't want to say bail, but, you know, you, you find a team where a player and, and, and the city don't fit, but the talent is there, which is something New York is known for doing anyway. We love trying to take somebody who's suffering somewhere else and make them happy in our minds by bringing them to New York. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like Mitchell Robert, because remember, he's in, a, he's in a rookie scale deal. And what's this going to be his third year? His salary yeah. number isn't crazy. You're going to no. have to if you try to flip him get somebody who just recently got drafted. That's yeah, the only way you get equal value on the Or somebody that level. you feel is going to get a second, like, that's going to get a re-sign of crazy number that you feel is going to become that star. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be... I mean, yeah, you could pull a sign and trade. So, you know, you go out and you, you give Mitchell Robinson that, that third-year extension. So now he's a, a player who's on a three-year, four-year, 50-some-odd-million-dollar deal. So then now you can jump higher and shop for higher players. That means you have to give Robinson that extension first. Well, you know what's crazy? I'm looking at his contract. Uh, his contract for next season is not guaranteed. Was he a second-round pick? He was a second-round pick. Ah, so his, his salary number could actually be higher. So the Knicks would be smart. Well, they signed him to a four-year, six-and-a-half-million-dollar deal. When they signed him as a rookie. When they signed him as, yeah, rookie. So his rookie deal, because he was a second-round pick, you can give a guy a longer-term deal as his first initial rookie deal. Because I think the max you get as a first-round mm-hmm. draft pick is a three-year deal. Yeah. So he, got a, he got a four-year deal, so he can get more years. But obviously, his salary scale is lower. Okay, yeah. fine. So, so, there you go. so now, again, like you said, you just confirmed it with that. You, you cannot move Mitchell Robinson. There's no way you'll get value. Mm-hmm. There's no way you'll get value. So, so Mitchell Robinson is a fixture for the foreseeable future, I would say, for at least the next two years. Maybe you flip him in, in, in the second year from, from this offseason. But I don't think you can flip him this offseason or the following season. That's when you can really start to pursue. Because then you'll be able to pay him accordingly so that you can trade him accordingly. Right now, mm-hmm. you got that guy. And he's not even – he's making a, a million and a quarter every year. And not even that. It's not fully guaranteed. So, yeah, that's what I mean. So, it, so yeah, the Knicks so are playing with house money. You got to keep him. You got to mm-hmm. keep him. Um, who else? So – you got, you, you got um, you got you got Kevin RJ Knox, Barrett. so you have to figure out what you're gonna do with. Listen, yeah, let's Kevin not even Knox discuss. Let's not even discuss R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is New York. He's a yeah, Nick. he's not going nowhere. Yeah, he's not going. Nowhere. He's a Nick. Whether you like him or not, he came, he saw, and he wore no, no, a suit. No, no, I like, he, I like him. No, no, no. I'm just saying to to the people out there listening. He came, he saw, he wore the suit, he shows up. You ask him a question, he don't run from it. Yeah, he's everything. If the Knicks manage to mess this one up, He's a, yeah. RJ Barrett's a keeper. And and everybody knew that before the draft last year. 
Oh, if there's one guy who should go to New York, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett. If there's one guy who wants to go to New York, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett. Yeah, no, no, no. He's 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 we yeah, he's already established. So what the biggest thing is getting Kevin Knox to figure out what's going on. You know, I think uh, I think I think if you want RJ Barrett at his max, you have to move off Kevin. You can't have them both. The only reason I say you could possibly keep them both is if you Knox is your six man. Other than that, yeah, you got to move them. They, the only they, way, in they, my opinion, and it's not that they play a similar style; they just play the same area on the court. Yeah, and simply put, if you're going to be putting that much energy into making RJ Barrett, you know, a focal offensive player, which he made himself, yeah, yeah of in spite of the coach, he made himself that last year. Mm-hmm. In spite of in spite of what Julius Randle was doing, he still found a way to make himself an essential part of what the Knicks need to do to succeed on the court because it's just that hard working of a player. Like, mm-hmm. he will not be ignored. And, you know, when he was at Duke, it was more about, like, you know, his ability to put on the show. And he's not so much a showman as he is a grinder. But he's yeah. a grinder. He's a grinder with, with, with very good athletic tools. So that's what makes him, you know, that's what makes it all fit. And like I said, he, he wears the suit. Mm-hmm. He is not afraid to put the suit on. And again, that's a big part of playing in New York. If you can wear the suit, you're going to be all right. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who couldn't do it. They put that suit on and they just started melting. Or it turned them into something that they didn't even know they could become. Look at what it did to Spreewell. He wore the suit in New York, lost his mind. Mm-hmm. By the time he got to Minnesota, he talked himself out of $14 million. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's so not much for everybody. Going. It's not for everybody. Um, I don't know about the other teams in the East. We'll get to them on the next pod because we're yeah. definitely we're definitely gonna get our Over. legs back under us. Um, on the next episode, we'll also try to begin laying out an idea of where we think these teams sit as far as the teams that will be participating in the resume NBA season, who Absolutely. we consider to be favorites, who we consider to be big winners and big losers in this type of situation. Um Obviously, the big losers are the teams with the, who would have got home court advantage. They lost miserably in this whole oh, arrangement. But beyond that, as always, it's always a pleasure to have you guys join us for Views from the Clutch. If you would like to contact us, you could do so by leaving us a message directly on any of the podcast platforms we are hosted. You can reach us directly by sending us an email at viewsfromtheclutch@gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, I'm going to tell everybody, stay safe. Peace.